Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. <laughs> it's been good getting to know Pastor Sean this morning. And uh, I feel like the Lord has been in charge here this morning. How many of y'all believe that? Y'all believe that? I'm, go- I'm, going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm one of those guys that will let you know if I'm setting you up. And so I'm setting you up. How many of y'all believe the Lord's been in control this morning? Do y'all believe he orchestrated the worship? Do you believe he orchestrated Pastor Sean's presentations? Would you agree with that? How many of you will stay with me because I feel like I have a word for you this morning that's orchestrated by God? And I'm not going to cut it short. Um, I, didn't, I didn't ride the thousands of miles to get here. I'm from Amarillo, Texas. Um, I didn't brave the cold this morning and take a chance of getting run over the other day. They try to run over us. They look at us and, oh, they'll give. So I didn't, I didn't get to leave my family. I have a wife that I've been married to for 47 years. She's the love of my life. She's everything to me. And uh, I, missed, I missed some stuff this weekend with my grandkids. I didn't do all that just so I could come here and give you a 20-minute presentation. I feel like I have a word from God. How many of y'all ready for that? Y'all ready? I'm not going to belabor it. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to lengthen it, but I'm going to give you what I believe the Lord woke me up this morning with. I told Rodney, and I'm very proud to have Rodney McCray with me. We've traveled a lot together. And... Um, I told him last night, I said, I'm not sure what I'm going to speak. And this morning when I got up, I had a word, and I feel like I need to deliver. Uh, First thing I want to do, though, before I do anything else, I would like every veteran in the house to stand, if you would. If you are a veteran, I want you to stand. And, Pastor, would you come and join uh, A-Rod? I call him A-Rod, Rodney. Um, And, Rodney, would you take that side? And, Pastor, you take this area here. We have a gift that we would like to give you. It's uh, one of our chips from our battle cry. I teach men to be men. How many of you believe it's time men be men? Uh, How many believe that? So uh, it has my phone number on there. It has battle cry and our logo. So thank you so much for your service, gentlemen. You may be seated. Thank you. I, it's true. I pastored for 40-some years, um, 42, three, 42 years at the Christian Heritage Church in Amarillo, Texas, and I had 11 staff pastors, and I was on the fast track of growth. We had about 700 people, and everything was rolling, and um, God began to monkey with me. How many of y'all know the worst thing you can do as a nominal Christian is to read your Bible? Now, if y'all, don't, if y'all don't flow with me, I get real nervous. And when I get real nervous, Pastor Sean, I preach two hours. So how many of y'all going to flow with me this morning, all right? So if I say something corny and I kind of smile real big, that means you're supposed to laugh, all right? So uh, how many of y'all know the worst thing you can do is read your Bible? <laughs> yeah, I began to read. How many of y'all want to be like Jesus? Huh? And I started reading the book. I talked to my wife last night, and I, she said, how you doing? I said, I'm messed up, honey. I really am messed up. I said, I'm around a lot of church people, and they think that they're like Jesus, and I hadn't seen much of Jesus in them. 
And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, the fact is, is we play a game inside the church, but we don't live it outside the church. How many of y'all know Jesus, if he was here this morning, if he was in Baltimore or Rosedale, I'm in Rosedale, if I was in Rosedale, how many of y'all know Jesus would not be in here more than likely? He would be out there where people are. How many of y'all know that's what the New Testament teaches us? And I started learning things. I started learning that Jesus accepted people that the church didn't want to accept. And, and you know, even in his lineage, you find uh, a woman that committed incest. You find a woman that committed adultery. You find a woman that was a, um, a prostitute. You find, you find a woman that was an enemy to the Jews. And you find these people. And I saw that and I went, whoa, that's not, the, that's not like my church. And then I started seeing Jesus in Matthew, the ninth chapter. He was around drunk people so much they accused him of being a drunkard. And all of my friends spoke in tongues and went to church three times a week and studied their Bibles every day. And I was not being like Jesus because Jesus was around me people that was messed up. Jesus went out of his way. Huh? Come on. Jesus went out of his way to sit with a woman by a well. Huh? Come on. How many of y'all know he went and risked his reputation? And we pastors were so concerned about our reputation that we would not do those things. And I found that God had to mess me up and work me over. And I was one of those guys. I had a fast-growing church. I had a, an armor bearer. He took care of me and all of that kind of good stuff. On Sunday morning, I sat in my office waiting for my coffee and juice and my fruit and my vegetables with dip and had this wonderful experience going on. And on the second service, they would, or second song, they would come out and say, knock on my door and say, Pastor, it's time for you now to preach the Word of God. And I was realizing how foolish all of that was, and God began to mess me up, and I ended up underneath a bridge on a snowy day uh, on my motorcycle, and I gave my gloves to a broken man sitting there. I uh, had urinated all over himself. He had, his beard was matted with vomit. He was shaken from the drunk the night before. And the Holy Spirit led me to leave, give my gloves to him. And when I gave those gloves to him, I had vowed I'd never give him anything but coffee, love, and donuts. And I said, God, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to give them that gloves. And I handed him those gloves. And out of my mouth rolled these words, you can't have it for free. And I thought, my God, what does that man want from me? What do I have? Or what does he have that I want if he can't have it for free? And the Holy Spirit filled my mouth, Pastor Sean, and said, I want you to pray for me. And that drunk put his hand on my shoulder and raised the other one to heaven. And he said, God, you know who I am and you know where I'm at. And this man of God has asked me to pray for him. And God took a sledgehammer and busted all of the religion inside of my heart. And I began to fall in love with God's broken people on planet Earth in my city. It didn't happen. It didn't happen because I got some great call from God. It came because I read the Bible, and in Matthew, the 25th chapter, it said if you don't feed the hungry and you don't clothe the naked, you don't go to the prisons, you go to hell. That's what it says. I will separate you, the left and the right. 
and I realized I could play the song, and I'm going to tell you, folks, I'm a professional preacher. I hate that. But I am professional, and I can twist, and I can pull, and I can tell you the right stories, and I can, I can drum up a great spirit in here. But that's not my challenge this morning. My challenge is to deliver truth to y'all. How many of y'all ready for that? Because God put me outside those four walls. Our church feeds 80,000 meals a year to the homeless. We feed seven days a week, twice a day, three, two days, three times a day. We, are, we have a home, I bought an apartment. We didn't beautify our building. We bought an apartment complex for guys coming out of prison and give them a second chance. Huh? Come on. Come on. We run vans every day picking up sick people and taking them to doctor's appointments. We are, we are busy in our community because I realized one thing, that if they close the doors of my church the next week, even though I had 700 people, if they close the doors of my church the next week, nobody would really even know it closed because those 700 people would simply find another church because they were churched people. And I wanted my church to make an impact to the community like my Jesus made an impact in his community. Oh, come on. Are y'all hearing me? And so it revolutionized everything that I'd done for all of those years. Now, in the process of all of this, and with this being Veterans Day, I had to give you a little background of what I am and who I am and what we've done. But I'm going to show you a video clip in just a moment. It's only about four minutes long, but I'm going to show you a video clip of all of the things that we've done. But I started something about two and a half years ago, the best I can calculate. I started preaching, what if? Say, what if? Come on, say it. What if? Your pastor stood in front of you a while ago and said that there is no guarantees what's going to happen tomorrow. Is that what you said? So what if? What if there is no protection? What if there is no provision? What if all of the promises that you believe you deserve because you're born again, that you have rights to because you can quote them and confess them and believe them and think that they're all going to just take place? What if that doesn't happen? See, this past year, Rodney and I and a few others rode across Europe with Jews. We went into Dachau. We went to Munich where they were killed, shot down. We, we went into places with Jews. We stood on the banks of the, in Budapest of the river where the, the bronze shoes are, where Jews were taken off their shoes and shot, dropped into the river, and they made little bronze statues out of the shoes because the Germans could recycle the shoes. That's why they had them to drop them. And all of the time, those Jews was quoting Psalms 91. And while I was preaching this, something similar to this, I was talking about the gods of America that are following last Sunday. There was, as your pastor led us in a beautiful prayer over the church in Texas, while I was saying what I said about the gods of America falling, the idols falling, which is broken bones out of Isaiah 27, the Lord was 
the, the Lord was speaking prophetically through me to that congregation while there was a shooting going on inside of a church that believed just like you believe, ma'am, that God is here to protect us because we've been taught one side of the gospel. And the gospel is the total. You've got to preach the total thing or don't preach any of it. How many of y'all know bad things happen to good people? How many of you know it rains on the just and the unjust? How many of you know there are no guarantees as our pastor has so eloquently shared with us and prayed for us today? So what do we do? We've got to be prepared. The church is not prepared. Two and a half years ago, I started preaching. I think it was two and a half. It may have been a little more. I was started preaching Luke 22. See, Luke 9, Jesus sends the disciples out, and he says to them, take no provisions, take no extra food, take no extra clothes, take no extra, right? Isn't that what he says? I'm going to provide for you. And then when he, he gets out into the upper room in Luke 22, he's walking through the He's walking out after they've had the communion, what we call communion. They've had the, the, the meal of the Passover, and they're walking out, and it's just kind of like Jesus. This way I see it, Pastor Sean. Jesus is walking out, and he's fixing to go to the door, and they've had, they're singing the psalm that they're supposed to sing, probably Psalms 118. And he turns around, and he says, Hey, guys, hey, guys, 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 did I, when I sent you out before, was, did you lack anything? Did you ever get hungry? Was all of your provisions provided for? And he says, oh, no. They said, oh, Lord, it was all taken care of. It kind of sounded like the American church today, Sean. We're blessed and we're highly favored and all these good things have been happening to us. And Jesus turned around to him. He says, there's a time coming. Come on, say time coming. Come on, say this is Jesus talking. Did they go to sleep on me or y'all don't like what I'm saying? Say there's a time coming. And church, I think we're in that time. We're on the thresholds of that time. And he said, I'm telling you, you better start taking some extra provision with you. You better take a coat. You better take some clothes. You better take a little script. Take a little money with you. You might already take a little food with you because it's going to get tied out there. And he said, by the way, if you don't have a sword, go sell your coat and buy one. I remember about, oh, I think it was two and, a, two and a half years ago, I was preaching this at a really upscale church, and the youth pastor was sitting on the front. <laughs> and I told him, I said, what are you going to do if ISIS comes to cut your head off? See, I've been around enough Jews, Pastor Sean, that they're telling us we're not going to kneel down before the Nazis again. How many of you have seen the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. Yeah, we just visited there Friday. And they would take and set them down. They knew they was fixing to get shot and shoot them in the head. And I told, looked at Rodney and I said, ain't no way. Ain't no way. And I looked at this, at this upscale church and the youth pastor was sitting on the front row. And I said to him, what are you going to do when ISIS comes to cut your head off? Are you going to kneel down and let them take your head off? And that way they can rape your wife and take your babies as sex slaves and into slavery? Is that what you're going to do? And did you know, Pastor Sean, and listen, folks, I'm, I'm, I love what I do, but I don't do this because I feel good. 
And I want to tell you that church has not invited me back. Because we don't want to deal with truth. We don't want to deal with the fact that it could possibly happen. And we don't want to have to be men that role play in our head and train in our head. I just got through teaching last weekend 30 men how to be men. And in that process, I told them, you have to role play in your head how you're going to react in a crisis or you'll be found deep men. My wife, when she heard about what happened in Texas, it was the same thing that happened in Charleston. The guy had to reload his weaponry and they, they let him reload. And she said, my God, where are the men? I said, honey, they're probably hiding under some pew trying to survive this thing because they've not been taught that you're supposed to stand up. How many of you know God is okay with that? Now, I'm not, I'm not here to teach a fighting message, but I'm going to tell you we better be prepared for the things that we don't think are going to happen. If the last Sunday didn't teach us anything else we ought to wake up how many of you my wife said honey I'm not a man but I think I would have charged that dude I'm going to tell you she's, she's mean enough to do that <laughs> there ain't going to be a man in the house my wife will rise to the occasion And we men have been taught a pacifist gospel long enough. We've been passive waiting on the blessings. I don't know. I was riding a bike over here. It was quite chilly this morning. We were riding over, and I was praying, and I was thinking, and I thought, dear Jesus, Everything in my life, I've tracked my life. I'm old enough now that I've looked back over the 66 years and said, God, what is that common thread in my life? And I remember being this tall, singing in vacation Bible school. I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry. Ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never zoom over Germany, but I'm in the Lord's army. See, there's some pastors and there's some preachers that it's all about healings. They're about healing. There's some that's all about God meeting your financial needs. There's some all about living a holy life. But this guy standing in front of you, when he was six years old, eight years old, was determined to be in the Lord's army. We're going to fight, not with weaponry. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But there's three things, there's three voices, and this is what I get to get to you this morning. You're not going to be there if you don't get them. Women, you may need these voices. There's three voices that I've identified that has spoken to my life that causes me to do the insane things that I do. He talked about the diaper run. How many of y'all know going from San Diego, California to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina in less than 50 hours, sleeping two and a half hours in your sleeping bag on the ground in a roadside park? How many of you know that's stupid? 
three of you left, and the rest of you got it, all right? I mean, that's okay. Just look at me and say, that's stupid. You're making me nervous. Say, say that's stupid. That's stupid. We ran over a mattress two years ago doing 80 miles an hour out there at 2 o'clock in the morning on no sleep. Say, that's stupid. But see, you have to have heard the voice of God. The first voice that you hear should be an encouraging word. Say, encouraging word. Come on, say, encouraging word. How many of you know you better not hear the voice, wait to hear the encouraging word from God when you're in a mess? Don't wait till you're in trouble to hear God's voice speak life to you. You better learn his voice at an early age or a quick age or it will go by you. Are y'all hearing me? That That voice, see, I know what, I sleep in a tent. Not all the time, but at times I just throw my tent down beside the road or I'll throw my sleeping bag down beside the road because I'm trying to save money to put people on the, on the front lines of ministry. And so I understand that, that God is not necessarily going to meet my needs for the Hyatt Regency. He may just meet our need to get us down the road. And so I'll sleep on the road beside the, I'll sleep in a tent beside the road. And there was a particular time that I was in Montana, and I, the pastor had invited me to come, but he never even called me, never let anything go. I didn't know anything about anything. And I thought, well, I guess I go, he knows I'm on the road. I'm, he knows I'm up here for a week. So what I've done is I just slept out there beside the road, and I'm thinking, God, there, there's nobody even really cares about what I'm doing. Nobody really even cares the fact of what we're doing out here for the church. And then the Lord spoke to my heart. Come on, say this with me. Say, the Lord. Come on, say, the Lord. Say, the. There's only one God. Come on, there's only one God. The Lord. The one that can change everything. Come on, help me. Am I telling the truth? He can do anything. How many of you believe he's still the master? You can't wait until there's lack before you know that he's Lord. Because you'll never hear his voice. Are y'all, is this making any sense to anybody here today? I've just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I know there's a lot of people that's not going to get this this morning. But Lord, just give us a handful of people that can really understand. We've got to know the Lord is, say is, absolute. Now, there is no, there is no variance in it. The Lord is mine. Say mine. He's my shepherd. Oh, he's mine. I mean, he cares about, he's a shepherd. He cares about me. There is times that if I understand the life of a sheep, he can get so fat and so blessed and so nourished that he, he rolls over and his feet go up in the air and he can't even stand on his own two, four legs. And God has to come over, that master shepherd. When David wrote this, he was thinking how that shape gets down and gets over on his back and there's no blood running in his little feet. And that shepherd puts him between his legs and begins to massage those little legs saying, oh, you're going to be okay. You're going to be able to walk again. Oh, how many of y'all hear that that's the shepherd that takes care of me? Huh? That's my shepherd. 
But there's so many people sitting in the pews this morning across the United States of America that's never heard the voice of God. They don't know what the voice of God sounds like. John 10 says, my sheep, verse 4, I, my sheep, know my voice. If I went around this room this morning and I said, what has the shepherd said to you? What has the shepherd said to you? What has the shepherd said to you? Would there be a dumb look come on your face? Or would there be a word from God that sprung up inside of you that said, he is my shepherd? Y'all hearing this this morning? There's men that makes decisions for churches that have not heard the voice of God in so long they wouldn't know what it was if it slapped them in the face. And God is about to mess with that. God is about to change that. He's going to have people that know his voice, Pastor Sean. The second voice that you better hear is a voice of enlightenment. You better see what you can't see. Psalmist David, I'm trying to get through this quickly. Psalmist David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Right? And then when you look at thy kingdom come, thy will be done. May, may, may your will be done. Huh? Come on. Can you imagine what that psalmist seen when he saw the kingdom sitting out there on the side of that hill? I know I'm taking the prayer of Jesus. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. How could he say that? The master shared it with us. Thy kingdom. Psalmist David saw the kingdom of God. Can you imagine what that looked like to him? Can you imagine a... No one's just going to say it the way the world looked at it. He was a dumb shepherd boy. Shepherds were not the high-paid people on the road. They were the low-paid people. I get tripped up. Well, I'm a shepherd. Everybody's supposed to take care of me. Now, if I understand it, shepherds live at the bottom financially. That's the way. It, man, I live in the barrios. I live in a home where there was a drive-by a drive shooting in a bullet hole in the front window I moved into that house. When I step out of my house, I hear gunfire. When, when, when you, you hear sirens blaring all night in my neighborhood... See, I'm going to live among the people I'm trying to reach. That's what Jesus did. Thy kingdom come. What I see out there, what is it that Jesus wants? I see a kingdom that's established far above the establishment of what the church is projecting today. It's not about a big crowd. It's an eternal kingdom. I'm not living in this world. I'm living for another world. It don't matter where I live here on this world. It's where I'm going to live over there in that world. <laughs> That's the important thing. See, I came across an enlightenment 
God began to speak to me and tell me. Once I heard his voice, then I had the enlightenment of what that voice was telling me to do. And he said, I want you to live among broken people. I want you to help broken people. And I saw that I was doing it out of out of responsibility because I didn't want to go to hell. I was doing what I was supposed to do because it was a responsibility of the kingdom. But then something happened to me underneath that bridge. God broke my heart. I can't communicate this. I don't even see that. But in Matthew, the 14th chapter, it says, and he was moved with compassion. In the middle of all of his pain, I just started looking up yesterday the times that Jesus was moved by compassion. How long has it been since the church is driven by somebody homeless out there and did something besides give them a high nose? How long has it been since we stopped to listen to their story? How long has it Every person... Did you know that man that was underneath that bridge? Did you know he was a Texas Ranger? He was a man's man, but his partner got shot and killed and his wife ran off with another man and he drowned in a bottle. I'd have never known that had I not sat underneath a bridge and listened to his story. But because of compassion, because of love, last night at close to midnight, I guess it was, I don't know, 11 o'clock, I'm listening to a veteran that called me. He said, this is not a happy day for me. I remember the boy that died in my arms. I remember the boy's hands that was reaching for me and all it was was bones on the end of his hand. He was 80% burn up. And he was saying, Doc, don't let me die. Don't let me die. And he was reaching for me. And he said, then the last words he said to him is I'm injecting him with the thing to put him to sleep to get him out of his misery. At the command of the, gen- of the lieutenant colonel, he said, before I push that button in I remember him saying whatever you do go tell my daddy and my mama that their son loved them and he said I've never done that and this man's weeping on the other end of the line and my heart Pastor Sean was broken with compassion why couldn't I bring healing to that boy I do what I do because I love people What do you do because you love people? I get it. I'm ticking some of you off. I get that. But folks, it don't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what we give. It doesn't matter. I'm not here to raise a big offering. Yeah, it takes a lot of money to do what I do. But I'm not here to raise a big offering. I'm here to help the kingdom of God advance in the messed up world. I don't even know we're in a messed up world. Pastor Sean told us that three times, I believe it was. He told us we're in a messed up world. And I'm trying to tell you, church, you better get your act together. You better quit quit believing some false promises because you're going to be found spiritually hiding underneath the bench when the shooter comes in. And we're going to have to have some men and women that know how to stand up and take the kingdom of God by force as our brother has shared with us this morning. We're going to have to have people that are willing to die for the sake of the kingdom of God. And you won't do it 
if you don't love. The Vietnam soldier wasn't so sure about loving the country. Talked to many of them. Not all of them, but many of them. And they said, I didn't fight for my country. He said, that was the overarching thing. But he said, who I really fought for was the brother that was standing behind me. I loved him more than I loved life itself. What do you love? The last voice that you hear, and this is the voice that I call the explosive word, the battlefield voice. If you don't know the voice of comfort, and if you don't know the voice of direction, you're not going to know the voice of the battle. This is Veterans Day, is that right? How many of you know this is, this is the kind of message that the church has got to have on Veterans Day? Not that we just honor those guys. We do honor you. I've tried to do that. I tried to do that in the, we stopped at Dunkin' Donuts. We didn't know you had free coffee here. <laughs> so we got here early. So we were always early. So we went to Dunkin' Donuts. And before we walked out of there, we were giving gifts to veterans in there. Am I telling the truth? I do that. I honor you guys. But my job is to wake up the church and the spiritual warriors inside the church because we're coming into that day. That's right. How do we do that? We're going to show you. But before I show you, I'm going to tell you. That voice that's explosive, when you hear it, and you know that you know his voice. I don't have to have a 45-minute prayer meeting to decide if something's God's will or not. Huh? I have people all the time, I say, hey, would you like to come and help me with such and such? Well, let me make it a matter of prayer. You know what I always do? I smile at them, walk off, and say, God, they'll never be there. If they've got to pray about it, they're so out of connection with where God is leading their life. They either are to have a yes or a no. See, obedience, say obedience, obedience. is moving without question. If you question it, you're not obeying it. How many of you guys are military in here? Raise your hand again. Please, would you please, if you're a veteran, raise your hand. When a commander gave you a, a command, when the sergeant gave you a command or when the lieutenant gave you a command, gentlemen, did you say, well, let me think about it? Huh? He slapped you halfway down the road. Huh? Come on. And now you know what I learned out there on Room for the Wall? I've crossed the nation for 12 years from California to D.C. honoring veterans. Show you a picture of it in a minute. The first two years they were trying to get rid of me because I was a Christian. I didn't know that a human being could use that many four-letter words in a sentence and make sense. They cussed me up one side and down another. And if you didn't do what they told you to do, <laughs> I told one of them, I said, I'm not used to being talked to like that. They said, you don't like that one. You're not going to like the next one for sure. If you know the battlefield voice of God, the explosive word of God, his command, you act. You react. 
you don't meditate. Now I'm going to show you. I mean, I, there's a whole lot. I'm hoping that some of you that are serious about where we're at. How many of you have kids? Raise your hand, please. How many of you have grandkids? Raise your hand. How many of you have great-grandkids? Yeah, I'm not there yet. I have eight grandkids. You know why I'm out here, ma'am? You know why? It's because of my grandkids. I'll be dang. Wow. Let me see one of those chips. Anybody 22 grandkids needs a chip. Praise God. A man can only judge his level of success by the world he leaves his posterity. And I'm watching men that have stored up thousands upon multiple thousands of dollars. They live in the right places and drive the right cars and wear the right clothes and think they are a success when they're handing off a world that is one screwed up mess. I think men in their 60s, 70s, and 80s need to reevaluate who you are and what you are. There's just no time for us to lay down. It's a time for us to help. It's a time for us to lead. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all believe that the men that have nothing to lose? A.D., I'm trying to shut her down, sir. I'm really sorry. I know it's 12.04, and some of you, you're getting all twisted up. My God, he's hell is past 12 o'clock. Don't he know the restaurant lines are going to be long? A.D. Bruce made this statement in 1672 when he wrote about Jesus discipling the 12. He said, fear the man who has nothing to lose. When you got a lot of money stored up and you got nice stuff in the garage and in the house and you look around at that and you're going, God, I'll never get back here if I lose all of this. I'll never be able to get back to this point. Now, I had a man tell me, he said, I'll risk anything but my 401K. How many of y'all know that's what God's going to go after? He's not going to have any idol. Come on, come on. Am I telling the truth, Sean? Pastor Sean? He's not going to have anything you depend on more than him. He's not going to have anything more valuable than him in your life. He loves you enough. He loves you enough. See, when I pushed all of my chips in, and that's a poker chip, ma'am, just pray over it. It'll be sanctified, all right? 
But when I pushed my poker chips in on the table and said, God, I'm cashing in my retirement. I'm cashing in my three-bedroom, three-bath house out on an acreage. When I pushed it all on the table and said, God, it's all you or nothing. I'm going to tell you, God knows that I mean business because I've lived it out. I haven't said it with mere words. Are y'all hearing any of this this morning? And when you push it in, there's an anointing from the voice of God. You'll hear those encouraging words. You'll hear those directive words. And you will hear the word of the battlefield that says, go fight, brother. Go fight, sister. The world is worth it. If Jesus, oh, God, I'm in the mess. I'm in the mess. Say, God so loved. You know what that word so means? You know what it means? It means to the extent. God loved the world to the extent that he sent his only son. And his son, we got to know him, sister. I bet you've heard it. It goes that God had to look through heaven to find somebody that would come down and die on the cross. I, every time I hear that, I want to stand and scream blasphemy. Jesus was willing to come, wasn't he? Because he so loved. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with his people, his purpose, and his power. God bless you.